And uh, it's the table breakers, they've done it again. Is this the biggest panel we've ever had on, Jason? One day you'll have a guy throwing mid-70s, and next week you'll have a guy throwing 55-mile fastballs. Hello and welcome to Ball Caps and Bagpipes. I am one of your hosts, Danny Quinn from the Glasgow Comets, and I'm joined by you go for I, I'm not one of the hosts. I'm just drafting in here in the off season till spring training, and you draft in a Scott Boris podcaster. I'm going to keep saying you're the host until you decide to stay. Yeah, and that's that's the game plan, and hoping it works out. How are you doing? You were on your travels recently, weren't you? Indeed. Yep. The uh, Eurovision Song Contest semi-final pot allocation draw. It's as exciting as it is at the World Cup. Let's pull the country's names out of a fishbowl and go, ooh, ooh. But, you know, well, it's an important thing that the press happens there and we can do lots of interviews and things and such like as well. Plus, I got to go to Sweden and Denmark for a day or two, which in the current and everything in Scotland was quite nice. Yeah, I went, I went to Brayhead at the weekend and that was nice, but I'm sure that really pales in comparison to going away to Sweden and Denmark and doing what you do. I don't know, and, did you pull anything out of a fishbowl? Well, well, there's a few fishbowls up in Brayhead. Um, you, the Super Bowl was last night, you, and I'm not a huge American <sighs> football fan, so maybe you can take over here. How do you feel about it? All things um, well, first of all, emotionally, San Francisco. So the fact that, you know, for the rest of the time, San Francisco lost that Super Bowl in a hit-by-punt is just so up there with the Giants um, going, that was def- that was never a swing. That was never a swing. Um, they weren't, at the- neither of the team I felt were at their best. Um, the pressure got to all of them. There were drops, there were catches. It was a scrappy game for 50 minutes. It lit up in the last 10 minutes. Everybody got to read the uh, um, overtime rules that had changed. Uh, and at the end of it, uh, surprise, surprise, the NFL made sure that Taylor Swift was on the winning side. <laughs> They've done their job, done their job. Yeah, um, script writers at their finest there in Las Vegas. That's it. I love, I don't, I, I'm not a fan of the NFL, but I'm a huge fan of the Super Bowl because its conclusion means that it's officially baseball season. And we've got pitchers and catchers reporting in two days. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and also in three days, as we record this, there is a very important moment. Yep. In three days time your teams can put people onto the 60-day injury list so you can clear some names temporarily off your roster during spring spring training to try and let people think they might actually have a chance of getting on your team yeah yeah it's a, a good it's interesting I, I was reading that billy apluff from the mets just got suspended for a year for manipulating the injured list so you wonder if that will deter people but um yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of these things where the rosters will start to take shape now, um, and you get to see all the names you're never going to see with the numbers, you know, eighty nine and number eighty seven and all that in spring training. So I'm looking forward to it actually to to be able to a week on Saturday will be the first spring training game, and as I said to my wife, there'll be baseball on in this household every weekend till October. So enjoy this weekend, but it's no year, so that's not going to last. Yeah, and our baseball will be starting end of February as well. So just settle yourself in at the spring training, watch it on the screens, and then go, you know what? I'd really like to see this in person in yeah. Scotland. Where's our great big 60,000 theater stadiums for watching baseball? 
Well, the answer is you have to take four of those zeros away and the six because we yeah. don't have any seats. <laughs> but uh, as always, facebook.com slash baseball Scotland will get you contact details. We will have details up there when we start doing our training games. You can pop along and say hi. There are lots of things you can do. You can play baseball. You can catch the ball. You can miss the ball. You can swing the bat. You can run around outside and pretend to catch a ball. And there's backroom stuff you can do as well which uh, is one of the things that our next guest is very, very good at. Yeah, well, that sets us up perfectly because our next guest not only um, played outfield in the AAA last year, he also helped out significantly with scorekeeping and um, and also a, a game as umpire, which um, was, despite the fact him being a Comet, was the first loss of the season due to his shambolic umpiring. So, I'm going to get him in here to defend himself. Say, I'm not Danny, you're shooting for a one-game ban before the season even starts. <laughs> one-game ban is very light for this man. Uh, <laughs> good friend, fellow Comet, we're going to bring in Andy Vaughan. How you doing, Andy? You all right? I'm very well, Danny. Thank you uh, to you and Ewan for having me on. I, I'm, I, don't think, I don't think I did umpire a game that the Comets lost. I think that ended in a draw. Did it? Oh, well, it was our first draw of the season, Andy. Your your Uh, first non-win. Yeah, yeah. Not winning, uh, you're losing. How how did you find, how did you find umpiring? A lot more fun than I expected it to be, actually. Yeah, Yeah, it was was good. The players were very respectful, um, possibly because they knew it was my first time doing it and maybe went a wee bit easier on me. Uh, But no, it was was fun. Um, It was hard. It yeah. gave me a different perspective on it. Has uh, it changed how you play as a player? It uh, didn't change how I would play. It maybe would change how I react to umpires if I feel something's close that's gone against me. Um, interestingly, though, when I was behind the plate calling balls and strikes, you know when you've got it wrong. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's the players' reactions that you pick up on or it's that two seconds after you've made the call, you're like, oh, that was actually... Oh, that was a wee bit dodgy, maybe. I think I might have made a mistake there. Like you really do have to know. take that like second or two just to go, hold yeah. on. Yeah, all right then. Yeah. So I got I got an appreciation for how tough a gig that is. because uh, it's not easy. It's very difficult when we have pictures up here heating up the radars at 42 mile per hour. You can only imagine how difficult it'd be seeing a, a hundred mile per hour fastball on the black. Andy, I know you've been in this podcast before, but just a wee introduction to maybe people that haven't listened to the podcast before. What's how long you've been about? What's your position in Glasgow? Give us a wee introduction to your your baseball experience. Sure. Um, a teammate of yours, Danny, in the outfield. So I think I joined the Comets five years ago, or this will be my fifth season, uh, back when John Nelson, and people that know Scottish baseball will know John, uh, was the manager of the Comets. A uh, year through that, through Gio Coulter being the manager, uh, and then the transition into Jason Stott. I played predominantly left field uh, for most of those seasons, but last year we got a rather large influx of players and that saw me play in, in right field for the majority of my games. Yeah, and congratulations because you um, were lucky enough to pick up the most redundant position in Scottish baseball. And not only that, you were given the luxury of awarding yourself your very first gold glove and silver slugger for that position. I don't think there is uh, words to describe how how 
truly magical that must have been. Uh, Liz, if you'd like to pick up those awards, I mean, I know baseball's a team game. There's always a thing, if you see in baseball culture, of individual awards. Uh, you know, if the team doesn't win, then it doesn't mean anything. But it's pretty cool to, to be recognised, especially when it's by your, your fellow peers. How did you feel picking picking those awards up? Surprised. <laughs> to, begin, to begin with um but yeah delighted it was it was really nice it was a really good evening as well i think uh glasgow baseball association put put on a good night at the awards night and uh, for it to be voted on league-wide was cool you did mention i switched position uh, if i was still playing left field with the numbers that i put up last year I, I wouldn't have been picking up anything so i was slightly fortuitous uh in the in the position change meant that that my numbers compared favorably uh, with the other people that played that position in the league, but I, I wouldn't have been winning winning it if I'd stayed as a left fielder last season. Uh, Andy, you actually had a really good season. There's your, your digits up there. A 310 batting average, 459 on base percentage, 778 OPS. You actually finished with a higher on base percentage um, than me, which I was frankly fucking livid about and ruined my day when I found out eight points uh, better than me, despite the fact that the batting average about 40 points above you. Um, how, what what was behind that? I mean, that was, this was your first season, I think, that you hit over 300. Why, where did that come from? What, what changed this season for you? Um, I don't know. Honestly, maybe just being a wee bit more disciplined at the plate. Do you know what? I used to always really try and make contact and mm -hmm. I really didn't like striking out. I think, I think two years ago, I had one strikeout all season, uh -huh. but that but that actually led to me grounding out a hell of a lot. Whereas this time, I didn't care as much about striking out, just putting a good swing on the ball, and that probably put the ball in play harder and, and better, and led to more hits and hence a better batting average. It's the first time I've had to think about that, and I think that's probably the answer. <laughs> um, I think that. Many people might not know this, but you're quite a fierce competitor, and that's quite surprising uh, for the reasons you can see on your screen. Um, being a fierce competitor, you actually want to win, and there was a few times this year that you actually stepped into managing the comments in, in Jason's absence. How, how did you find that, managing the, the sort of AAA side? I really enjoyed it. Um, as, you, as it said there, Cleveland Guardians, Dundee United, so... I'm very passionate about what are very mediocre sports teams. So winning's important. Like any game you can win is important. It's not all about titles. It's every game you go out, you give your best. Um, I'm a season ticket holder with, with Dundee United. So uh, that's just been a long and arduous road that. But what, what you learn is you just want to see the team try and give maximum effort. Like a, a lack of talent is fine because, you know, that, that could just be anybody. You know, everyone's out there. As long as everyone's out there trying their absolute hardest for the team cause, then that, that's what I want to see. And that would be something that I hope I instilled um, in the team, the games that, that you and I got, got to pick the team and, and take over. Um, we'll, we'll see if I, I do any more of that this year. Um, I, I hope so. I hope there's the opportunity to do a wee bit more. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoy it. And I really enjoy the, the scorekeeping aspect of it and looking at the stats and thinking about situations and who to put in where and try to get a wee bit clever with uh, with some situations sometimes. How much yeah. do you balance that looking at the stats and almost the emotional need with when we're, when we're talking about volunteers and people who just want to play sport for fun? 
How do you balance off the numbers versus emotion when you were choosing the teams? Um, well, again, you and it's uh, like I said, effort. So I think see people that come to training and put in effort every week that should be rewarded with game time sometimes, even if even if someone else is is naturally better and more talented, but you wouldn't do it at the detriment to the overall team. You want to try and win games and make yourself competitive. But you also want to make sure that everyone that turns up and contributes to the club gets their their fair share of time. So it's a, it's a difficult balance. Um, you've just got to try and make the right call in the right spot. And, you know, you're not always going to get it right. Hold your hands up when you get it wrong. Yeah. Um, so we'll touch upon, there's uh, some good points there, Andy, but I wanted to bring it back a wee minute to the 2023 Comets now. Yeah. Um, we had a, a, a sort of, transitional year and uh, we welcomed five new players, five uh, incredible personalities and really skilled guys into the ball club and we're very fortunate to do that. Um, but, you know, in the comments, we pride ourselves in the absolute level of mediocrity. So we, of course, finished in the exact same position that we finished without those five players a year before. Why Why do you think that was? What, what do you think? What were, the, what were some of the... Um, not, I don't want to say issues, but what are some of the difficulties when you've got so many players and you're rotating them in and out and you're trying to to win games with new faces and, and, and stuff coming into the ball club? I mean, we did finish in exactly the same spot, but we did it very differently, Danny. And I'm sure you'd, yeah. agree, you'd agree with that. The season felt very, very different. Um, we're pretty blessed at the Comets with our pitching talent. David Flores has been with us for a few years now and is absolutely incredible. We gave him no run support last year, like none. It was it was absolutely bizarre. Whenever he was on the mound, uh, you know, it was like Degrom pitching. Oh, the the Mets have given him one run again. You know, and we and, and, and we'd lose two one. Like I think th I think that happened. You know, he's he's pitched basically the full game, uh, pitched an absolute blinder, and we just haven't got anybody across the plate. And I don't know what stopped us from doing that but it was incredibly frustrating and if you look back at, at, at david's stats it's it's incredible how how little run support we gave him across the season um having a whole new it was five players that came in and five very very skilled players so you'd think that would make the team better and it, it did on paper um but it didn't translate necessarily to results on the field um, perhaps we lost something in camaraderie because that Comets team that finished so well the year before um, had been together for a good three, three, four years. Uh, and, and that doesn't happen overnight. You know, you, you need to really work on those relationships. Um, and we had just such a good team spirit. So I'm hopeful that having had a year together now with the, the new the five new players, that actually next year we start to see us play a wee bit better as a team. Yeah, I mean, they generated so much power with home runs. Like, I, this is the most home runs I've seen the Comets hit since I've been back, just due to that. Um, but I think you're right. Put the fence in the right place, you'd see much less home runs. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we were pretty, pretty far back. It's not like the right field the Edinburgh. Come on now. Um, pretty we, uh, far back. <laughs> Listen, when you are built like me at five foot four, anything beyond third base is far back. Like, um, 
I think you're right, but David David pitched um, like the Grom, and he got the the run supported the Grom as well. I think there was two against the Cannons where David pitched, it's, and it was a a one run game. It was just quite ridiculous where we just couldn't put the bats together. His um, ERA was one point six <laughs> last year across across forty eight innings. But that's just absolutely incredible. Yeah. And yet, uh, Luis, who's obviously a very accomplished pitcher in his own right, but I think he would agree not at quite at David's level. I think he ended up with um, a 3.35 ERA and a much better win-loss record. And it was just the, yeah. the, the nature of, you know, when, when the bats turned up and obviously David can do nothing about that. So I kind of feel like we should apologise you know, to him en masse. But it does talk then to the delights of baseball that the game mm. itself is actually built on this sort of high noon gun shootout from the West, mano he mano. But in actual fact, it needs nine people in sync, all peaking at the right time to actually put together something that makes you think a 16 and one run in baseball Scotland is possible. Yeah, well, and, and you've touched on it there, Ewan, and what, one of the reasons that, to go back to the original question, Danny, that we finished in the same position as last year was the cannons were incredible last year. Yeah. Like, so good. That 16-1, like, so good. And Tapor are really, really good as well. The whole league is improving. So while our team got better, the teams that we're competing with got substantially better as well. Okay, not necessarily through a new influx of five new players, but these players are all getting better every single year, and the standard is incredibly high. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, I think that's one of the, the, the things that makes it difficult for a lot of people, not just myself. I've seen myself where, you know, you're hitting maybe one year and you, you hit 350 and the next year you're down to like, you know, you're down 40 points or 50 points. And, you know, we got this quite a lot for the single A guys and just seeing the, the progression there where they were saying, I'm just not hitting like I'm hitting last year. And you need to tell people that people are pitching a lot better than they were pitching last year. At the end of the day, it's it's a pitcher's game. It's always resting the statistical advantage of the pitcher. A really good hitter might hit three out of ten times off a pitcher, you know, and then say that they own that pitcher. Pitcher still gets a hitter out seven times out of that ten, you know, so it's always their advantage. And to a certain extent, Danny, it's easier for a pitcher to get better in the offseason in, in Scotland than it is for a batter because there's not that many chances to bat where you can sit in your back garden and just throw practice knuckleballs for what nine weeks non-stop yeah i can smash so many windows i can upset so many neighbors these are the things i can do and i can do it myself i don't need support for that and when um, you're but, not singing <laughs> yeah no but you're absolutely right you and like it's so difficult to get better at hitting in this league and i think even you know, we're, we're training two hours a week uh, and you, you don't have that time to suit up a catcher to see fastballs. A lot of these guys are, are hitting, you know, batting practice, slow pitches and then forced to go into a game where somebody's pitching 40, 50 mile per hour um, faster and supposed to make that translate from, you know, 15 minutes of batting practice they've done on the Wednesday before. So it's really, really difficult, but it's a great game. That's what makes it a great game. Andy, as, as well as playing in the AAA Comets, you were uh, heavily involved with the single-A Comets, and I'm yep. going to give you the opportunity to say exactly how were you involved in the single-A Comets this year? Um, I, I, I basically attended all the games, Danny, sat on the bench next to you, and uh, 
while you manage the team, I I scored all the games. Um, yeah. You know, we've been using iScore as a club now for several years and uh, it's, it's now getting adopted by, by the rest of the league, which is brilliant. But we've got, as a result, we've got numbers on that whole team for the last four seasons. So I find it fascinating. I like doing it. It makes you more involved in the game, I feel, um, rather than just being a spectator. Uh, so, yeah, I was a, a regular um, next to you, giving you giving you the numbers and handing you a pen when you needed one to write your lineups. You also brought a nice fancy chair and coffee sometimes, so I appreciated that. And it was quite obvious for seeing that you, that you absolutely enjoyed ruining my day by giving me wild pitches and walks and, uh, you know, taking down my batting average at every opportunity you possibly could. Um, but what, what is it? Sorry, I need to land you. No, it's, it's just not true. You know, if it's, Danny, if it's an error, it's an error. If it's a wild pitch, it's a wild pitch. I'm sorry, my man. You know, you know, you know. That's you what I like about, about you, Andy. Um, but you're, because I've said it you so many times, I've sat in first base so many times. I said, "Is that a, is that a hit or is that an error?" And you went, "That's an error." And I've been like, "It's a hit. It's a hit, Andy." And you're like, "Come on, it's a team game." Well, I don't care what it is. And well, I want that hit. But you, you're very focused on the team, which I do appreciate. Um, an error compared to the average effort by that individual player, Danny. If yeah. you're if you're so good nine times out of ten, then your average, which we measure errors against, me scoring in Edinburgh, it's you know you do that drop. It's so obvious it's an error next to you. <laughs> yeah. Un- unless you're that bad, you know it could be that none of these are errors because you're expending more than average effort just to hit the ball. Yeah, I guess you all as baseball players, you always like to be rewarded for your efforts. So when you get a ball and play off a really tough pitcher, and then you get on base and you feel like you've accomplished something, and Andy comes over like, "Nice, that was an error." It just kind of rips your soul for your body a wee bit. But on the flip side, though, if it, you look at it from the pitcher's point of view, and he thinks that should that should have been an easy out, but because I've given you a base hit, that goes against his that goes against his numbers. Yeah. You know, there's a flip. Yeah. There's a there's a flip side to everything. So trying to be fair, um, while not pissing people off, is is difficult. But at the, at the end of that, Andy, and I know the situation as well. We don't have replays. It's not like when MLB where they can just sit there, rewind the tape back and forward. We've got to try and take in the whole field and spot that. And when you're, you know, we're only watching the ball. We can only look in one place at one time as scorers. So. You know, and then try to decide: is it a bumpy ground? Is it a miss? Is it a grab? We have seconds to make that decision. Yeah, and I and I will say, I will take advice from the other yeah. people around me. Like if there's five people there, and the general consensus says no, that should be a hit. I'm not going to turn around and go stubbornly. I'm giving him an error because it's Danny. Like you know, I'm going <laughs> to. Oh I'm no! Gonna, if it's Danny, I think that guy's okay. <laughs> No, this reminds me in Aberdeen. I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but I, I hit a ball into the outfield and I got on second base and Andy put it down as an error. And then I was like, that's a hit. That's, Andy, that's a double. That's a double. And so you congregated the group around me and made each, not made, but each of them voted that it was an error. So they had insult the injury. Then only if they argue with you, but six other people saying, Nah, they should have caught that. <laughs> but at that point, Danny, an, an yeah. error is nothing to do with you. Once you've hit the ball, yeah. Yeah. it's not you that makes the error. It's the out, it's the infield of the outfield. 
Yeah, no, it's it's a great philosophy, but your batting average goes down, and that's unfortunately what I'm looking at at the end of the day. Oh, I got I got one hit instead of two, you know. Like it's again, it's this is it. This is the element of baseball that's really selfish, and and players, I think a lot of baseball players think very selfishly in that, and I'm one of them. But at the end of the day, it's a team game, and the only thing that matters is whether you walk off it's winning or losing, you know. Like so, I think it's, I mean, it's Danny- just. There are also other other statistics that can perhaps tell your productivity better. You know, yeah. we, don't, you know we don't just need to look at RBIs and hits. Like, you know, there's a, there's all sorts of things in there. Yeah. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you on that, Andy. Yes, there are a whole bundle of other statistics, but when you go back just maybe 10 or 15 years in baseball, you really, you only concentrated on two or three stats. Yes. You know, you they were- only had two or three to count. You, you run, your batters and your runners only, only had two or three. You might have some freak of nature who's going, oh, I want to track stolen bases through the season as well. I think I can get 300 of them. Don't be st- All right, then. Okay, you can have that. Do you think there's too much focus on uh, – we're now going to talk about the main game, uh, the, the, the majors here. Do you think there's too much focus on all these numbers? No. No. Why? There should be, there should be more focus. Because it's the, it's the best way to tell a player's productivity. And baseball, we're in – a completely different environment from all other sports, maybe give or take cricket, and that the ball always starts in the pitcher's glove and he's going to hurl it towards the towards the batter. If you can tell that story really well um, on a scorecard, like you know, and you and you score games, you can look at a scorecard. Yeah. Looking at that, it's almost as if you know you could look at a game from nineteen twenty. It's almost as if as good as if you haven't been there. Um, but in in soccer, for instance, football. You, you you couldn't do that. It's so fluid. The ball can be anywhere at any time. Every player can be anywhere at any time. So it's a lot harder to get meaningful numbers, whereas baseball is actually one of the few games where you can actually get numbers and they can actually mean something. And from these numbers, you can make better decisions. And I'm, I'm not talking about amateur baseball in Scotland. I'm talking about Major League Baseball where it matters and it matters for a lot of money. You know, and it's a business at the end of the day. These guys want any slight advantage that they can get over their competition. And I think these statistics and better statistics and more complicated statistics give them that. I think also what you've got off the back of this is is progressed beyond that because now you've got projected statistics. So you look at the likes of now the Cy Young winner, Blake Snell, who is not getting a contract because they're sitting there saying, well, his projected statistics for next year aren't looking very good. And you're like, this guy just won a Cy Young and pitched to a two ERA. Like, and we're saying, oh, don't want to pay him that money because he's projected statistics on stuff that he hasn't done yet. So, I mean, you can go as complicated as you want with baseball, can't you? Oh, you you really can, but and and that and that is the danger that you read you read the statistics wrong. Um, Alex Ferguson for for Manchester United always says his biggest mistake was his stats guys, his analysts noticed that Yap Stam was making less tackles progressively each year, and therefore he was deteriorating as a defender. No, what was actually happening was his positional sense was getting better, so he didn't need to make tackles. But they incorrectly looked at those numbers and came up with a conclusion that wasn't actually correct and he sold you up stamina and, and he will say that that's the the biggest mistake so while all these numbers are brilliant and i find them fascinating okay p- pinch of salt you need to know how how to use them and at the end of the day um sometimes you just get a gut feeling don't you and baseball's had many moments like that where a gut feeling's worked out yeah 
the, the right. numbers say I should switch out my picture now, but you're looking at the game, it's just like, they're hot. Leave yeah. them in. There is a bit of magic that works. And that bit of magic you can feel in the majors, you can see it in the minors, but at the same time, you can see it in Baseball Scotland as well. You can just feel that when you've got a pitcher who's just absolutely in the groove, staying here over in Edinburgh. There's this point where Frederico was just throwing them down, throwing them down, and the pitch count's going up, and it's just like, well, he's getting quite high. He's got he's got an arm there. He's got a plane. He's still throwing them down, just throwing them down, throwing them down. And yes, the numbers are wonderful, and yes, the game is wonderful, but there is always that intangible that you can love no matter the level you're playing at. I'm not going to disagree with you. And that's what makes baseball so fantastic and so special. Yeah. on the, Obviously, you guys have a, a real passion for um, for the numbers. So, Andy, I'm going to play a game with you now. And I'm going to... Oh, you're going to show um, me up. This is unfair. No. Right. Andy, you, you can... finish that nice red you've got there because this is going to hurt. No, no, not at all. Um, so you've done all the stats for the full team for the majority for single A last year. That was your role. Yeah. So I have three different players here, and I want you to guess them just off their stats, right? Okay. This one, I'll say, is probably the hardest one. This person... Is this single, is this single A, Danny, or is this the whole... Single club? A. So this it's person had... Yes. And, is there, and, and, and is there a sample size we're looking at? You're not going to give me someone that's had one at bat or something. No, you? no, no, no. Right, this okay, person, so I've given you three very specific statistics um, okay. for each person. So this one is a 250 batting average, a 700 on base percentage, and it was largely due to hit by pitches. Well, this person generated seven hit by pitches. Who do you think in a single A was hit, hit seven by, times? Hit, hit by pitches is Saeed. <laughs> well done. Brilliant, yeah. Scott Said. Yeah. So the second one, I think you'll get this one, um, is a 500 on uh, 500 batting average, a 725 on base percentage. Um, and let me see the other most obvious stat that I'll put up on your screen now is 500 batting average, 725 on base, 41 stolen bases. It's Matthew Gill. <laughs> I mean, I was, going, I was going that way anyway with the incredible, yeah. the incredible numbers to that point. But forty-one uh, stolen bases. Yeah, that's, that's Matt. I'm only going to give you two stats for this one. All right. Okay. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Zero batting average. Six hundred on Fraser McLean. <laughs> Fraser McLean. Absolute <laughs> hero. Yeah. Right. The walk machine, so yeah, well done on that. Like, I'm surprised you got side there because that, that was a hardest. Like, you can tell Matt by the stolen bases, and you can tell Fraser by the ridiculous zero percent batting average, 600 on base percentage. I mean, Fraser's um, an enigma. Like, <laughs> one of these guys he turns up every week to training, he puts in the effort, you know, and he gets on base. And yeah. a lot of times, he got on base and got all the way around and crossed the plate for a run. So, yeah, fabulous. That was fun. Yeah, so Andy, we're kind of coming to the end now. I've just got a couple of things I want to cover. I'll probably wrap this up into the one sort of question. You can give me, answer it in any way you want. So you are, what I will say about you is you, you played a big part in the single A. I think a lot of the guys, the developing guys, you know, um, 
you know, I feel you're very welcoming to new guys, and I feel like they look a lot at you. I feel when I came into the comments as, as a 30-year-old, um, you know, trying out a new sport, you know, coming in at any sport club as a 30-year-old man, you know, I don't know how to make friends as a 30-year-old man. Like, I was really good when I was six, and I could say to somebody, I like your bike, I'm going to be your pal. But you don't really know how to do that when you're 30 years old. But I will say that, I felt out of everyone, you and Gordo were really accommodating and uh, really welcoming into the club. Um, and I think a lot of guys will say that about you, you know, when you're not screaming at the team for stealing bases, they shouldn't be stealing. Um, is that something you're interested in? Is that something that you're mindful of? You know, the, the making people feel welcome and getting them involved in the club and sort of sharing that passion and getting them embedded? Or is that something that comes quite naturally? And off the back of that, what would you say to people that are maybe, you know, wanting to try out the sport but not quite sure if it's for them? Um, okay, for, first thing, yeah, I think I'm just generally like that, Danny. I like people being involved. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan when it when it comes to anything. Nights out at the pub, baseball, football, like just hanging out. Yeah, it's it's great. It's great to see different people involved and everyone having a good time. And generally, I go along with the ethos of the more the merrier. And everyone, everyone has a better time if you if you take the effort at the beginning to try and get to know someone because you're probably going to get on. Most people are nice. So if you make that small effort at the beginning to get to know someone, then it, it really pays off longer term, you know, because I think the Comets, I think we've got a really close-knit group of players. Yeah. And I think it works really well. It's a nice place to be. Um, you know, when, when we're at training, when we're in car journeys and things like that, you know, it's not just about being on the field. It's about, you spend a lot of time with, with these people out, out with game time. Uh, so I think it's important that we try and make it an atmosphere where, where everyone can get on. doesn't mean everyone will, but if you can make it a, an atmosphere where everyone can get on, uh, then you'll reap the benefits of that. Because at the end of the day, it's amateur sports. We're all there giving up our own time. We want it to be fun for everyone. You know, no one wants to give up their Sunday and have a bad time. So yeah. I think that's really important. Um, when it comes to trying out baseball, baseball is one of the most welcoming environments I've ever been in. So when I when I started off, um, it was exactly the same. I came in, John Nelson was was the boss. He was like, right, this is what we do. Here's so-and-so, here's so-and-so. Here's Chris Kelly he was one of the first guys that I met. Um, really nice. I got exactly the same experience you did. Um, but with, you know, a couple of years ahead of you and, and, and with different people. Um, but I think that goes right across the board. Uh, you know, I get on great with the guys from Aberdeen. It's always fun going up there to see them. You get a good laugh, a good joke, even though you're on opposing sides. You want to beat them when you're on the field. But everyone's, you know, it's, it's you can count on one hand how many people, you know, I don't, I can count on one hand how many people I don't get on with. Um, and I just think, I just think that's, that's just baseball. It's just a really welcoming, good game. And yeah. so my advice to anyone is, if you fancy trying it, come along. doesn't matter about ability either. You know, we can teach you stuff. Or you can just get involved in training. If you don't want to be competitive and don't want to play in the games, you can still come along, have a great time, meet some good people, get your and steps not, in. We'll teach you how to do these. I'll teach you how to do that. Myself and you, and if, you're in, if you're in Edinburgh, you and I'll teach you how to do that. If you're in Glasgow, I'll teach you how to do that. But it'll be on an iPad because, you know, I uh, see. Well, well, philosophically, I think they should do at least one game on paper, then move to the iPad. But we can we can talk about how we're going to train the league up at another time, can't we, Andy? We absolutely can. Nah, that's that's brilliant, Andy. Thanks so much. As you said, like I think you're you're sort of um, 
I'd testament to that. You know, you've done umpiring, you've played the, the outfield for AAA, but also been really involved in the single A. And um, I, I think in Glasgow, we're always looking for people to, to coach and things like that. Glasgow is a, a really welcoming environment, as is, as you pointed out, the rest of the league. So um, the main thing with, with this podcast is just to get, get people involved. Andy, before you go, you also run your own podcast, Trampled Bet. Um <laughs> You do. Talk a wee bit about it. Give yourself a wee plug. Thanks, Danny. Uh, the Trample Bet Sports Betting Podcast. So you can find it just by typing Trample Bet Podcast into any search engine, Spotify, Amazon, whatever. Uh, we've been on the go for, I think this is our sixth season now. Um, and we're, we're, we're pretty successful. You know, we've got a listenership routinely of over 500 a week, and it's uh, it's been going for a good number of years. It's dry. Like you have to be interested in sports betting. Like this, this isn't this isn't the sort of thing you're going to listen to and have a good time if you have no interest in that. Um, and it's also not the type of podcast that anyone would ever go back and listen to an old episode of. No one wants to hear me in advance talk about my thoughts on Morecambe versus Walsall from like 2021. <laughs> it just makes no sense. Why would why, why would you do that? So, so did, it's you, did you win podcast. that bet? Oh, I can't remember. There's been so many. <laughs> so um, you didn't then? Well, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But the, but the point isn't necessarily about giving people... Well, it is about giving people betting tips, but it's not about telling people what to bet on. Our listenership are involved and in, in interested in sports betting. They're just listening to it to get ideas for the week ahead. And we don't just do football. Although the normal shows about football, we do specials in the MLB. So I had the Texas Rangers last year to win the World Series when, when the playoffs came around it nice big price that was wonderful uh, i'm gonna dine off that when i get the world series winners wrong for the next 10 years in a row um and uh oh and to bring it back to baseball we also we also have like a, a fantasy baseball as well danny you know there's a glasgow baseball association one the trample bet has their has their own one as well which gordon mclarnon's won the last two years running which upsets me no end so, so Gordon isn't he playing, but that's if Chris Kelly was back in there, Gordon wouldn't have a chance. But... So, so Gordon's a co-host on the Trample Bet podcast. Like it's myself, Gordon, are uh, the two main hosts, and Chris Kelly is is one of the guests that we have on quite a lot as well. So, you know that 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 love of numbers, that love of scoring, that love of statistics, and translates quite well to sports betting. So, yeah, Trample Bet podcast. Join the Facebook group, get involved. You'll see a video of me watching the uh, Super Bowl national anthem last night. I was heavily invested in the under one minute thirty one seconds market, and I filmed. Not with Reba McIntyre, you wouldn't. You would, how, how much? How long was it? One twenty. Surely went long. Nah, went went under because Skybet's rules are from as soon as they start the first line to the first time they finish the last line. So ah. any repetition of any words don't count afterwards. Gotcha. So one minute twenty eight, and we were good. But every year I film it, and uh, you just see me stress about the length of. Uh, the Super Bowl national anthem. Little countdown clock in the corner going da 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 fun. Nah, thank you so much for, for joining us, Andy, and for plugging that. Looking forward to catching up with you next week when we go back to training for Glasgow. So that would be good. And competing with you alongside you over this upcoming season. So hopefully we can sustain our, our hard-earned uh, level of mediocrity that we have done so for the past few years that we passionately champion here in Glasgow. So cheers so much. Great catching up with you. No, cheers, Andy. Yep. Yeah, thanks very much, Ewan. Thanks very much, Danny. Great to be back again and do the uh, Val Kilmer uh, episodes compared to John's Michael Keaton. <laughs>
or John Luke Picard compared to Jim Kirk or however you want to do it. It's nice to be on the second iteration. Yeah, thanks so much. Checks in the post. <laughs> you and we're going to be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to be covering more ball clubs. Uh, in the meantime, you want to wrap us out the show, tell people where they can go if they want to get involved with baseball here in Scotland. I cannot do rap. You're not rap. having me rapping out of the show. <laughs> um, oh, I do have a question for you, though, Danny, and it's, yep. it's kind of a multiple choice one. Okay. And it's, do you think that the problem of making not making friends is because you're 30 or because you're a Yankees fan? I think it's because I am 30 and just recently re-pierced re my ear um, and I was rocking a moustache. I don't think I have any real identity going forward. I think when people say this, like I went into a shop in Motherwell not that long ago and I was looking for a Yankees hat and I pointed up to the Yankees hat and I said, can I get that Yankees hat? And they said, we don't have Yankees hat. We've only got New York hat. Well, I don't think people know what this, this is. But probably you're right. It could be to do with the Yankees fan. I'm glad you got that in you. And I know you like to get one shot in at least. Um, well, we've, got a little, we've got a little book running at the side how many times I can get it in in the season, haven't <laughs> we, Andy? <laughs> anyway, as always, uh, facebook.com slash baseball Scotland is where you can find us online. There's a message box in there. All the individual clubs have their own Facebook pages as well. And there you will find details of the training sessions. All you really need to do is you could just turn up or you could drop a message going, can I come to a training session? And uh, we'll get you started. Um, if you can't catch a bat, if you can't throw a ball, if you can't catch it, nobody can catch a bat. You can't even do that flippy thing where they stand up like that. There's a whole bundle of stuff uh, you can help with there. Umpiring is there involved, the scorekeeping, the getting the field ready, or what I'd say to everybody is just go out in left field. You'll have a great time. The ball will never come near you, especially if Danny's batting. <laughs> thanks so much for that enjoy your night fellas alright enjoy your night too and everybody out there enjoy your baseball as well